You're listening to the Pandemic Podcast, where we equip you to live the most real life possible in the face of today's crises. My name is Matt Bodker, and I'm joined with my one of two buddies, Dr. Mark Kissler, who is a doctor at the University of Colorado Hospital. How are you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, not too bad. And as you can tell, Stephen is not here. He is really busy. Uh, he's been busy throughout the whole weekend and uh, in communication with us. Uh, yeah, somewhat, but I think he's been inundated. They're trying to push out a paper on social distancing. So when that is said and done, we're really excited to have him back to see like what, what's been going on over there, uh, what's really excited. So in light of, uh, of what that was happening there, we thought it might be good to talk about that a little bit, even uh, not having Stephen here. But the first thing I want to mention just briefly is uh, I, I created a new uh, page on Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a cool place if you want to like uh, support people for one reason or another financially. And uh, we, we don't want to be compensated for this and any kind of like make money off this by any means. But uh, we want to continue to have this happen and kind of uh, increase our quality level. And uh, me having a full-time job, a side job and doing this, uh, just squeezing some extra time for editing probes difficult. So we thought, uh, let's just see if we can get a little bit of money, a little support just to get some stuff and equipment for Mark and for Steve and myself and maybe hire an assistant uh, just four or five hours a week to help with the editing uh, so that I don't have to be doing that all the time and I can go to other things. So if you are at all interested in helping us, uh, even as little as $5 a month to help us uh, get some equipment going and also to maybe get an assistant just a few hours a week to offset some of this work, we would be just so uh, grateful for that. So you can you can head over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Dot com slash pandemic podcast. And there you go. You can support us. And it even tells you exactly what it supports uh, to help us out. So let's go straight into the news. We've got a few things just to chat about. Uh, I wanted to pick Mark's brain on a few things because I see these news and of course, like what is going on? So one of the things I saw was this idea that previously we mentioned that, okay, asymptomatic people, yeah, they're contagious, but not really that contagious. But it seems as though that might be a little misleading or wrong. In fact, we are seeing at least in one or two cases that asymptomatic people are maybe even more contagious. Can you speak into this, Mark? Yeah, you know, I saw that reported as well that um, in this was a particular case in which it seemed that the symptomatic individuals had a lower viral load, which uh, we would say essentially a lower count of virus in this in their respiratory secretions than did an asymptomatic person. So that's what was reported. And of course, anytime we um, encounter this sort of reporting, um, we have to take into account whether or not this is relevant from an anecdotal perspective. So, meaning, you know, does this does this make sense in terms of a story that is hypothesis generating mm. or are we actually seeing you know robust evidence for this being the case and so you know of course in a study in which um, you have a very small sample size it's hard to make evidence you know it's hard it's hard to say this is generalizable in a large sense that being said um, i think this is very interesting in terms of hypothesis generating um, we've talked in previous episodes that a lot of the things that happen to someone when they're ill with a respiratory illness yeah. help that virus to spread yeah. so you sneeze you cough you have a runny nose that sort of thing um, and so of course that's still the case uh, it's very interesting to note and useful in terms of our investigations about this particular pathogen um, the fact that the viral load may be so high and unsymptomatic people. Um, but again, seems to be that this is uh, a very small, what we say, a very small N, very small sample size. Um, and so more investigation is is needed into that. Okay. I mean, it doesn't really, doesn't really help us that much though. Cause I, as we know that whatever's written on the internet is infallibly true. So uh, <laughs> to, to see this obviously right. causes a lot of bit of worry and it kind of feels like we need to actually collectively hold our breath just for about two to three months and we'll be really, really good to don't release any air 
it'll be all right. clear. But it's good to know it's a simple, it's a small sample size, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have some more information. Yeah, well, and, and just to stress that we have known for quite some time that asymptomatic individuals can be both carriers and spreaders of this. And so while I think that the degree to which this changes our understanding of the virus, uh, maybe a little bit, um, yeah. but it is something that we've been aware of and, and trying to mitigate uh, for sure for yeah. some time. And I think I, I'm selecting a few of these because I want to kind of bring this down. I want to talk about it in a couple of minutes, Mark, and my experience, what's going on this past weekend. I think things have been elevated a lot, but I want to bring a couple of these because it's important to see that there are so many kind of unknowns right now, as Mark was saying. Mm-hmm. And, and so it doesn't mean that it's uh, it's necessarily spreading like crazy with asymptomatic people, but it's something to look into, which then requires, I think, a deeper, uh, maybe a deeper um, uh, soulful response on our behalf, uh, a willingness to make a few extra sacrifices, which then kind of goes into this other thing. We mentioned this, what, two days ago on Saturday, that another article came out and we talked about this a little bit about surfaces and the virus lasting longer in surfaces. I saw another one that said up to nine days on plastic. Uh, and then, you know, in the air. And what I wanted to pick Mark's brain on on this just quickly, because we didn't mention this last time. And I saw this in another article that they made a separation that, okay, yes, this is true. It's, it seems to show that it's lasting maybe a few hours in the air and on plastic. And you have to realize that we're doing this in the context of a lab, which we that it's different than in the real world. And so can you just talk back about the distinctions between the two? Yeah, you bet. So, I mean, the term that we use um, often is in vitro versus in vivo. Um, in this case, it's a little bit different because, you know, you're not studying. In vivo is often used in terms of animal models or human models, whereas in vitro you know, Latin in glass is in the Petri dish in a controlled setting in the lab. Um, And so, yes, you can absolutely see different effects uh, and different kind of effect size when you translate bench research into a more kind of lived environment. Um, And so that's something, you know, one thing to keep in mind as we do these studies. In vitro studies are essential, are super, super important in terms of our understanding of how these uh, pathogens work evolve, change over time, how long they last and that sort of thing. Um, And I think, again, you know, as we talk sort of on a bigger level, as we zoom out from some of these findings, um, whether or not the virus lasts three hours, eight hours, nine hours um, on a surface in our lived life, um, it's very hard to make a case that we are going to radically change our behaviors based on that particular information. Uh, but the same things, the same, you know, things we've been doing, hand washing, sanitizing doorknobs and, you know, frequently touched surfaces, minimizing our contact in public places with things, not touching things. If you've just touched your face, that sort of thing, regardless of, uh, you know, all of these changes in, in our growing understanding are still going to be helpful. Yeah. I mean, I just have to ask this question because this is my own personal life. I'm dealing with this. Is, so we have, my mother-in-law is 86 years old. She's, we're kind of like, you know, keeping her at home. She's definitely at a higher risk if she were to get this. And so, you know, I saw this article and initially I'm thinking, does this, does this impact like her going to get the mail? Like now, like, should we just say, you know what, just wait an extra day before you get the mail or where's yeah. kind of the threshold of like, okay, this, this is, this is too much, right? Or this is actually a, a good, a good protocol in light of what we're seeing. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's hard to say. I think we we still there are a lot of unknowns about what's, you know, this virus, its specific characteristics and things like that, things that make individuals at higher risk and that sort of thing. Um, And there's definitely an understandable hunger for I want to know we want to know what this is that we're up against that's causing so much disruption in our daily lives. Um, But I don't think that there's enough evidence right now to make really robust recommendations about things like how long do you have to wait before you open the mail and that sort of thing. And it seems to me, based on sort of the balance of what we've seen, that what has been said uh, kind of 
throughout this period is still correct, which yeah. is that the chance of transmitting the virus on surfaces uh, such as the mail or uh, things like that is very, very low for all the reasons that we've talked about yeah. um, on previous intervention, or, sorry, pre- previous uh, <laughs> podcasts. I'm getting ahead of myself here thinking about treatment. <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, uh, and, uh, and so given all of that, the balance of evidence, I think just the same practices are really going to be yeah. what make the difference. That's good. I think we'll get into that in just a little bit when we come to social distancing and what's going to have the greatest impact. But a couple more just small things that we just kind of saw in the news this weekend. Uh, An expectation to probably maybe potentially see a huge jump in numbers of confirmations in the U.S., Uh, not because that we are predicting that it's it's spreading that quickly. Well, it might be, but uh, just the advancement in the test kits uh, just rolling out uh, at least 4,000 a day, if not hundreds of thousands by the end of the week or two. That's a potential. Uh, So just to be aware that we're probably seeing a big spike, but that doesn't necessarily mean much of anything. We're just trying to play catch up uh, to maybe previous um, uh, unnoticed tests. Yeah. And I think just to interject uh, something that Stephen was texting us about earlier today um, was is to emphasize that and it's you can't map the increase in test testing and the in, increase in incidents that we might see over the next few days uh, and make that equal the efficacy of our social distancing measures. So what that means is if we're, we're doing all these things, you know, we're trying really hard to quarantine ourselves and the cases are still seeming like they're going up. Uh, that is to be expected that even if social distancing measures, which we'll talk about in more depth later, later, even if they're working perfectly, there's a period of time of weeks to a month or a little bit longer where you may actually see an increase in case numbers. And we're still on that upslope of that curve that we've all seen and, and been talking about. And so uh, it's one of those cases where you can't use sort of the limited evidence that you're seeing in the news every day about the number of cases to judge the efficacy of the interventions that we're trying to put in place. Mm-hmm. And that, that leads to kind of now transitioning to our experience and, uh, just what some measures are being done in social distancing. We saw the CDC just just ask for uh, pro- basically no longer groups of that are 50 and above. And Mark and I were kind of joking, like, you know, why 50? And is it really the kind of that 49th person that like, you man, what that 50th person always has the coronavirus. He just, man, he always does. So 49 is okay. 50 is totally uh, uh, just unacceptable. I uh, saw, saw Rhode Island and even Boulder here, where we're from, uh, just put in a stronger prohibitions. I know Boulder just now, two hours ago, uh, no more than 19. Anything above 19 is uh, prohibited on public owned uh, areas. I'm not sure what that means right now. I haven't looked into it or whether there's actually a consequence of this or there's just, just kind of a, a PSA uh, going on. But uh, in light of this, uh, so we're seeing dramatic measures be happening with the CDC, uh, the Boulder, uh, Rhode Island, uh, and, uh, la- and schools are closing. Last night, the windows are open. And I'm trying to get ready to get, get the boys ready for bed. And there's just like enormous football game going on in my backyard in my green belt. There's like, it's like school's out for summer, Mark. Like they're, yes, we're not going to school, but we're going to all come together and have the biggest raging kids fest ever. And I'm just like, what is going on? And what's, what's been your experience this weekend? What are you seeing? Uh, I'm seeing tons of things on social media, making it political. I mean, what's, what, what, what have you seen in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think what I've seen is a lot of questions about how seriously each individual needs to take the social distancing uh, question. And it's tough. You know, it's a really tough thing. We we're talking, you know, as I'm thinking about sort of where, where is this coming from? Why is this such a big question? Um, I think in some ways we just don't have this built in kind of gut check about 
the something like an exponential function, you know, is something about, you know, the spread of disease. We've got really, really good innate gut checks about things that are uh, that we encounter in our daily life. You know, so, um, you know, I might not want to cross four lanes of traffic. I might not want to stick my hand in a hole that I don't know if there's a snake in there. There's like that's very embedded. You know, that's that goes straight to the amygdala. Right. But. <laughs> In these cases in which the numbers are so big and so vast, so widely spread out, um, I think we go through the same sort of gut check of like, what's my personal risk? Well, you know, maybe my personal risk isn't that high. My personal risk of spreading isn't that high. It can't be that big of a deal. Um, but we have just a lot of evidence that really those things are big deals and those things that we can do to socially distance every single day, you know, almost every single hour that we implement those things downstream, when you look at the sort of these exponential growth curves, have tremendous effect sizes. Uh, and so the earlier, the better. Uh, and in some ways, the more austere we are, the better. Uh, so that we have that scenario kind of like we hope for where we're looking around at each other two or three months from now and be <laughs> like, wow, that was a weird few months where we did a lot of crazy stuff. And it doesn't seem like we did it for anything. Like that's yeah. best case scenario. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard. It's just very hard to communicate that. It's very hard to experience that kind of uh, in your, you know, in your own self. Um, but I, I really do believe in, and as you know, Stephen has been working very, very hard to kind of turn this evidence out and, and get it to the key stakeholders that these sorts of measures are the things that will make a big difference. We've seen evidence for that, you know, in Hong Kong and Singapore, where they've had relatively better control of the disease. Um, and of course, there's all this reporting coming out of Italy. Um, and there was that Boston Globe article that we kind of passed back and forth earlier today about a journalist in Milan who was talking about, you know, they, they're about two weeks ahead of us, they think, an epidemic time. Um, and the things he wished he had realized two weeks ago. Um, and it's kind of a haunting article, to be honest with you, um, as I think about sort of this weekend and what I've seen in the hospital and that sort of thing, that we're on this cusp, um, how important it is to really, really take this seriously. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, I, I think I almost need to take a step back from social media a little bit because it's, it's making me a little stressed because I'm, I'm reading these things and I want to go back. I mentioned, gosh, was it, I think a few days ago, I mentioned this tribal concept of just like, uh, you know, when we're, we're trying to make, do our best, have self, self accountability. Like for, I, I'm literally bunkering down in my house. I don't know when I'm going to leave uh, and come out, but I'm doing my best to, to, to prevent the spread of this. Uh, and, and then, and then watching on Facebook and it's, it's, it's turning to a different tribal reality and it's, it is scary for me uh, because I see people blame it on a particular political party or it's just, um, it's just media um, hype, right? And as Mark mentioned, and I think the last one, the, the, you know, what makes us so toxic is, is there's a seed of truth in it. Of course we get it. The media, we, we, before this happened, we know the media hypes things up. But to, to throw that to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater is a pretty dangerous thing right now. That 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 there there is a real threat, and I'm and I'm hoping that by our taking our small measures, that this threat never actually comes to existence, and so we're, we're, we'll be ahead of the curve. But you know, all I want to re-advocate is this idea that please, please do not take a tribal mentality, whether you're the person who's like, hey, I'm styling myself off and anybody's on the, you know, on the sidewalk, I'm gonna throw a rock from my window at them. You know, not that, right? That's not what we're doing. At the same time, I'm seeing my own friends and relatives, either A, blame it on a political party, which is ridiculous. This is not, it's so much bigger than that. And just to be educated, because 
lives are at stake. Um, right now we don't see them because uh, we're kind of early on in this and we don't, like, like Mark was saying, but the more aggressive we can be, right? I know you want to go skiing. I know you want to go skiing, but maybe now is not the time to go skiing. Making the sacrifices now for a month or two just to do as much social distancing as possible so that we can beat this and be like, uh, isn't, isn't, didn't Taiwan have really good results, right? Uh, and, and like what China's done, I get it. It's a, it's, a, it's a loaded can of worms with China because they've done some aggressive measures, but I think we've probably seen some of this stuff be a little bit inhumane of the way they they treated their, uh, so we don't want to go down that road. If we're all self-accountable, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't, we don't have to, well, we can be safe. So, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention and ask for you, Mark, just to help kind of, uh, uh, bring this to the forefront uh, of why it's so important. Again, we, we just talk about like the symptoms of, because it, it seems like, you know, we just talked about, you can be asymptomatic and you can still sh- spread it. But then even, it sounds like even early on, you may not have the biggest symptoms and, yeah. and before they actually start taking root and before you realize, right, that you actually have something. Right, right. And I think being conscious of the exposure history that you have is important. So um, if you're an individual who has traveled or traveled through some of the areas in which we know that community spread is happening, of course, the international areas, but also the domestic areas where there's been documented community spread, um, that increases our uh, likelihood of a potential exposure event. Um, And so, you know, it's the same things that we've seen. So dry cough, uh, fever, Chills can be kind of whole body viral type symptoms, upper respiratory symptoms. Um, there's question, it sounds like it's a little bit less common for uh, runny nose, or it's called rhinorrhea, um, in this particular infection than with certain other respiratory infections. But I want to you know, caution people, of course, the, that's, that's not something that if it's there or if it's not there is enough to totally s- swing the pendulum one way or another. Um, but these are the same type of symptoms. You know, Shortness of breath is the big one, um, that if you're experiencing any of those things, it's probably a good idea to make some sort of contact with your primary physician. Uh, talk to them about what's going on. And very much so if you've been in a place in which there's known documented community spread. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, um, I'd like to go back to something that you had asked a little bit earlier on um, in our conversation, which was about some of the things we've seen over the weekend, just what's been going on in yeah. the last couple of days. And one thing that I have seen um, that's been really cool is seeing a lot of people starting to take accountability and responsibility within their own local communities. Um, and so I've had some great conversations, you know, with friends, um, and they have thought, you know, been thinking about ways of advocating for themselves or for partners or for others at work who might uh, be immunocompromised or need some accommodations and things like that, um, and have had some success with that. Um, seen people who have kind of navigated some difficult social territory in terms of the uh, you know the social distancing and things like that, with the hopes of being somebody who's you know starting to bring you know turn this around and, t- and really flattening the curve as much as we can and a lot of tremendous graciousness and receptivity amongst people who you know for whom this is very understandably a really really difficult uh scenario and it's evolving so quickly um and you know even to the point of uh, there's recognizing too the huge sacrifices that a lot of the people in our communities are making right now um my heart really goes out to people who depend on um you know kind of hourly wages uh things people showing up to things to make their livelihood. Um, and it's, it's just very, I, I, for me, it's just, uh, unimaginably difficult, I think, to be in a scenario in which, you know, you're caring for your kids at home, your source of income has kind of been 
upset and you know and so just thinking about even if there's any little ways that i can reach out to those people especially in my local community who i care about who've been a part of my life who i may have had sort of a transactional relationship with in the past um you know i think about uh um like there's a gentleman who works at our local rec center here our community rec center that just got shut down and he does a lot of like fitness classes and things like that you know we had we have a really warm and great relationship that's transactional but like reaching out to him by text and saying like hey you know i'm looking forward to to pumping iron in a couple of weeks once all this blows over hope you're doing okay and like just trying to bolster these this our local communities are so so important Um, so just a couple things that have been kind of on my mind as we've been navigating stuff yeah and i've seen this as well like i have a my real estate agent kind of a facebook friend of mine and he also owns a a brewery i just saw him kind of go public about the concerns about this uh, and you know, it does, it has some pretty significant consequences to those who are in the brewery industry and who are servers. And I like some of the responses, you know, I love the idea of, okay, so, you know, my wife and I, we don't really go out to dinners or do much at all because we're kind of on a tight budget. So it doesn't really change much of how we're spending money, but that's not for everyone. I mean, some people have their regular routines of like going out to dinner on Friday nights or someplace. And, and they mentioned that, you know, instead of just refraining from doing that, like buying gift cards. Uh, from that area of just like, so you still support the business. It's kind of like a, you know, I'll use these later uh, and double down on them. Uh, just small ways to, to support the business. And this, and, and the great, I'm so glad you talked about this, Mark, because I want to take a step back as well. I'm like, there's something about when you keep options open, there's an utter fatigue that constantly drains you. And so if you're kind of in this like two, uh, you're straddling a fence post between, am I all in or am I not all in on this idea of like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever I can. Say you know to my ability, I'm going to take a step back from from social circles for a while. Uh, but when you kind of straddle the fence, you're going back and forth, and you don't actually you're just exhausted. You're not making a real decision. There's something freeing and just getting in and just doing it, which then allows you to be free to then ask the bigger questions. When and 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 even the foreground of like people questions like, well then okay, I'm in. I'm staying home. Now, how do I support the businesses I usually support? Can I be creative? Now I take this time to think about this idea. Um, how can I be creative in helping other people enable them to keep their business going? You know, Mark, you mentioned the, the whatever, you're, you're the, the trainer. Like, okay, let's, let's find a way that I can do online training with you from my own house for an hour or 45 minutes a day to help support on some level uh, what's going on, right? So now we're, we're bought in. Uh, we're going to do it. And now we can reallocate those resources to help those around us, right? So I think that, and, and that's where it's like, I, it's been hard for me because uh, just personally, like with the podcast, it's awesome, but I'm inundating myself when I can with all this information. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, man, I got to spend some time thinking about supporting these people that are friends of mine who are just venting about how they just lost their jobs or their, their, their financial, like, I want to find a way to support them and allocate some resources to real creative ways, right? That's the most important yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. How, how are you doing with everything? What do you, what do you feel in these days? Uh, man, I, d- I don't even know. Like I just, I have to admit, like my stress level is significantly higher. Um, just, uh, and I don't know if it's just because I'm inundated with the news uh, and uh, doing the podcast I love doing uh, that kind of, kind of puts me in a little more often. Uh, concern from my mother-in-law. Just, I think that's our principal concern. She's 86 years old. And, uh, and there's a, and my own mom, my mom and my dad in Missouri and just kind of weighing like, what are they doing? Uh, and just uh, hoping that uh, there is a good universal response to, to get over this and the uncertainty of just not knowing what's going to be even from two days from now. And that I think part of it is like, just uh, 
seeing when we recorded on Saturday and it's now Monday and so much has happened that that's like, oh my gosh, this is just like, it's hard to keep up uh, just emotionally and uh, it, like to make sure that I'm making the best decisions, right? I want to make the best decisions for my kids. Um, you know, I don't want to make them germaphobes for the rest of their life, right? But I want them to be responsible. And I, you know, just the other day, like, oh my gosh, our middle child, Jude, he was, he was at the fence. We were out by a green belt. So people walk past all the time. And, uh, uh, so I see this little kid come to the fence and he starts backing up and asking the kid if he had germs. And he's like, I'm like oh man. So you're like, okay, well we need to find other ways to, uh, maybe politely say, you know, so, you know, trying to figure out how we, how we, how we deal with this as a family and how we don't like, um, it's one thing to, uh, social distance, but to not come off as alienating. And, uh, and, and so when, People around us don't have the same kind of mentality right now. Uh, right that fine line of we know them and we don't want to make them feel bad. But at the same time, we're trying to like, oh, we're, we're trying to do our part, right? So that's a lot of things we're wrestling with right now. And then, of course, just the grocery shopping, man. Just trying to get some some ground beef for the love. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. ca- it's, it's causing some pain. How about you? What's going on in your life? Yeah, um Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. It's good to, it's good to just check in too. Yeah. You know, I think we talk, we talk, when we get together, we talk about the news, we talk yeah. about the, you know, the science and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's good to kind of come down to that level sometimes. Yeah. You're yeah, doing okay. I'm feeling tired. Um, I think the last week and a half or so I've been running on a lot of adrenaline. Um, and with, you know, it feels like every 12 hours of changing new, new information, new protocols at work, gearing up, let's get ready. Let's do this. And, um, and yesterday in particular, I just felt a big kind of letdown of some of that energy, um, and, and have settled in place of feeling a lot more fatigued, I think. Um, and I'm hopeful. Um, I do think that we have, you know, from a, from an institutional level, I do think we have good preparations in place, um, and, you know, good contingency plans and things like that. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm even more deeply hopeful. I think that we never have to see those things. Um, and there's a sense, there's a, there's a very, as a, especially I think as a, as a doc, there's something um, really moving, um, but also kind of vulnerable about reading the accounts of what's going on in Italy. Um, you know, and, and in part because we have you know family there, as we've talked about, but in part too, just I feel this uh, strong sort of affiliation with the providers um, in these conversations about the choices that they're having to make um, and the things that are coming. You know, kind of up for them that they never anticipated to have to deal with in their careers, in their lifetime. Um, and that's, it's hard. It's hard to read those accounts for me, um, from on an emotional level. And I think, so that's, you know, that's one of the places that I'm coming from. They kind of wake up into that in the morning, you know, you wake up into the news, into the new emails, into this and that. Um, and, uh, really, you know, fortunately and super grateful to all the folks around me that I have both physically here and, you know, via, via text and phone call and things like that, um, who've been, uh, super supportive and helpful. So, um, that's kind of where I'm, that's where I'm at today for sure. Thanks for sharing. And it's good. Reminds me of this where I'm feeling fatigued. You're feeling fatigued in totally different ways. You're a doc. You're, you're in the, you're in the front lines. I'm just, I'm just like in this moment of transition of what it means to do work, um, in the context of my home and just that stress and the transition of things. And it just calls to mind, I want to end on this. And I think it's a, we've got to stay grounded. We've got to stay grounded because this is the most important thing. And one of the things I say, I have this um, website, livingthereal.com. If you're interested to go in, you can sign up. I'm going to try to re-bring this up. 
But one of the things I talk about is the idea that there's like three big elements of life that are important, these three rocks. It's margin, momentum, and maintenance. But the most important thing is maybe facilitating and never letting go of a sense of cultivating margin in your life. It's this temptation with the news, constantly being inundated with it and reading it, which sucks away the margin that you have. You maybe reallocate it towards the news, the, the responsibilities, the transitions of life, the difficulties of life start sucking away and tapping away the margin. That space, you know, like, what, like a good book, like if it had no margin, it'd be so overwhelmed, overwhelming to look at. Like you just wouldn't even want to read it. It's like that Harry Potter book, really thick margins. It feels like it's digestible. It's exciting. And the more margin we have in our life, the more hopeful we are. And that's and just a consequence. And so encouraging you to guys all to, to embrace a sense of margin. So that going back and scheduling out your week a little bit, adding some time for whether it's prayer, meditation, don't forget to exercise, journaling. These things are the most important things. It's foundational to keep our spirits high and keep our energy high so we can do the right thing, right? So I encourage you guys really be intentional at this time. I know for me, the reason why I think I feel so fatigued is I'm sucking my margin dry, right? I'm just constantly filling it with other stuff. I'm like, ah, I'm using the bathroom. I'll check the news while I'm using the bathroom. Like I'm never, I'm never letting go. So uh, it's a good call to me. Time to let go. Time to find some margin, some space to relax, get to know yourself. Uh, just breathe for a while. So I encourage you guys uh, to practice that more often this week. Okay. I think we reached the end of this. Uh, we uh, appreciate you guys listening to the show. We'll be back again on Wednesday and I hopefully with Steven. Uh, we don't know where he's at. He'll text us very randomly when he gets a quick break, but he'll be back with us on Wednesday. In the meantime, yes, like I mentioned, if you do want to get a hold of you can direct message uh, Stephen at S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-I-S-S-L-E-R on Twitter or myself, M-A-T-T-B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R. Uh, if you have any questions or comments and please don't forget to rate us uh, on iTunes, if you can, that'll help us move up the, uh, the, the ratings to give this podcast to more people. Well, thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys all in two days. Take care.